All right, can you unmute me? All right, awesome. Ready? All right, well, thank you so much for coming out tonight. Uh, I'm glad that you are here. I see that. I see that they're on their way in. There'll be a few coming in here as um, uh, our children, our uh, midweek uh, class is getting going, so they're doing some registration over there, so we'll have some folks uh, coming in. We welcome you if you're joining us online, so glad that you're joining us online. Uh, a couple things just to remind you of uh, coming up. Uh, really doesn't kind of pertain to this class, but maybe for those that are online, if you're watching or whatever, we've got our Foundations class starting up on October 2nd for uh, new, uh, those that want to be members. And we also have baptism uh, going to take place on October the 16th. We get to check out and use our new baptistry, so we're excited about that and uh, that service taking place. A couple prayer requests. We do have a, a few that are uh, normally with us tonight that are uh, a little under the weather. Um, be praying for Gary Anderson and also Judy Jones, who are both just a little sick, just sore throats, coughs, stuff like that. So, uh, yes, and uh, so be praying for, for them. Also, uh, if you know who Seth and Jordan Possler are, Jordan is the little redhead who comes out who's uh, getting ready to expect her husband there, a new couple uh, in our church. Um, he went to the hospital tonight with some severe abdominal pains, and so they're trying to figure out what's going on there, and so be praying for him as he's uh, in the hospital there uh, as well. So why don't we go ahead and begin our time together tonight with prayer and uh, lift these up to the Lord, and then we'll get into our study, okay? So let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much that you are a God who is always uh, listening and always willing to hear our prayers. And Father, I thank you for our time tonight, and I ask that you bless our time tonight. And Father, I lift up these in our church family who are not feeling well. I think of Judy and Gary and others, Lord, in our family that we may not know about that are under the weather, allergies, sickness, whatever it may be, God, you know, and we ask that you would put your healing hand upon them and uh, uh, heal them quickly, Lord, and give them the strength that they need. Lord, we pray for Seth tonight. Uh, Lord, we don't know what's happening there. It sounds uh, painful, and I pray for ease of pain. I pray for wisdom of the doctors that they can find out what is going on, and I pray for your healing hand upon him as well. And Father, we have some exciting things taking place in our church. I thank you for how you're blessing and moving in this place. I ask that you would continue to do so. Uh, bless our upcoming uh, foundations class and our baptismal service coming up. And uh, Lord, now as we uh, get back into your word, as we look at this uh, sermon that you preached and the power of it, Lord, and literally talking about prayer this evening, I pray that you'll be with us and guide us and direct us. And we ask all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. So hopefully you've got your packet of notes that are out there. If you're uh, joining us online, the notes are on our Facebook page underneath the section of MCC Midweek Adult Study. If you, go, if you type that in uh, there, then you will um, be able to print the notes out if you would like to, to have them. So those are electronic electronically, that's a big word for me, electronically on there for you. So uh, you can get that. And hopefully you have them, but if the, anybody asks you, you can also let them know they're online on Facebook there uh, for them as well. So we're in the middle of this uh, journey into the Sermon on the Mount. We're in chapter number six. Uh, as we said last week, Jesus started with the Beatitudes, and then he dealt with the law and how that goes. And now he's in the middle of contrasting man's approval 
versus God's approval in five different key areas. And we talked last week about giving to the needy and how we can give to the needy so that man praises us or give to the needy so that God is pleased with how we do it. And he laid it out that really what we can do in giving uh, there or in all of these areas is give loudly and... and, largely, if you will, I guess if that would be right term, so that everybody sees and everybody pats you on the back, way to go, you're a good giver, all that kind of stuff, that's man's reward, or we can do it secretly uh, as God would have us to do it so that it's just between us and Him and He, and he will give us the reward. And so that's going to be pretty much the, the standard of what we're going to look at every time, every section that we go into. Tonight we're going to take a really larger chunk of uh, Scripture, it all comes together in this, um, and so I didn't want to break this up, I wanted to bring it all uh, together in this in this area and so God is going to or Jesus is going to deal with our motivation for prayer I'm going to talk about prayer why we should pray what's our motivation for prayer um, and so it, it's very interesting on what he gets into this uh, for us so uh, as he teach he's really going to teach us how to pray and we need to understand that prayer is essential to our walk with the Lord prayer is very important for us. You may, uh, as we're going to look at some terms here, you may have the question, why should we pray? God knows everything. What, you know, why should we spend time doing this? But we'll talk about that a little bit here. But here's what I want you to understand at the beginning, because this is what Jesus is really going to delve into at the beginning. While how we pray is important, we need to understand that prayer or the words that we use in prayer, or how we pray, especially for others to hear us, because there are times where others hear us, does not gauge our spirituality, okay? So the wording that you use, the phraseology that you, you use, um, how you pray does not determine whether you're spiritual or not. As a matter of fact, Jesus is going to talk specifically against some phraseology and, and some things here uh, to talk about prayer. Okay, so let's jump into this a little bit. And, and, and this will, I hope this will really kind of um, help you and calm you in your prayer time. All of us have had times in, in prayer where we're like, I don't even know what to say. I don't know the right way to say it. I don't know how to say it. You know, and, and Romans chapter 8 deals with this. The, the Bible tells us that in those times when our heart is groaning, especially in the hard times, when we really don't know how to cry out to God, the Bible says don't worry about it. The Holy Spirit's got it under control for you. He knows your heart. He knows what's going on. Even if you can't make anything but noises, like mm, this is, you know, whatever. Holy Spirit says, I know your heart. I know what's what's going on. I know what, I know what you're praying for, what's on your heart. So that, that should calm us in, in knowing that, that what prayer is. But let's jump into this a little bit more and make it a little more clear. So Jesus begins with number one in your notes, public prayer. That's your first blank there. Public prayer. Praying in front of people. Okay, and many of us, uh, it's just like speaking in front of people, are not very comfortable praying in front of people because we know that the human heart is critical and it likes to critique, right? Uh, It's just natural uh, for that. You should hear people after Sunday service, I can't believe he said that that way. And I would go, I agree with you, I can't believe that. I'm usually the first one saying it. Come on, you guys know you go home, some do, and roast the preacher. It's a lot of fun. It it's, was a great game in my house growing up, so I know how that goes. Uh, I'm teasing. Uh, but uh, verse number 5 and verse number 6, he says, And when you pray, so again, let me pause here. The word when is here. It's not if, 
It's when Jesus takes the stand in the assumption that you are going to pray and you will pray and pray is important. So when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray, uh, excuse me, to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Once again, Jesus comes back to this term, this word hypocrite. We saw it last week. Uh, he starts off with it this week. I just wanted to, to point out to you, a hypocrite was a theatrical term uh, originally in the Greek and when it was originally used. It was uh, obviously it was to pretend to be something that you're not. We, we understand what that word means. And Jesus points out here that those who are praying, but are praying for the uh, for others to see and, and for the Lord, for, for those to hear them pray uh, like that, um, are praying for a man's approval there. So, I need to pause for a second. Are you with me? Okay. Guess what? My notes went away. Um, don't you love technology? I love technology. I turned my page and my page said, um, no, this isn't going to work here. So, um, you know, please uh, hold on here for my computer on this. Don't you lo I love this? Keep your train of thought. This is my, other, my, other, my next commercial. Let's see where we are. It'll be like an infomercial there. All right, we've got page one. And we've got page two. That's so wonderful. I apologize for that. Sometimes technology is a mess. Okay. Jesus' point here is that those who are praying in this manner are hypocrites because they are striving to make themselves seem more spiritual than they actually are, okay? So just as we saw with uh, uh, those who gave to the needy, for man to see, these who are praying are making spectacles of themselves so that everyone believes that they are spiritually elite, an example of that of this today would be someone that we would see that maybe uh, you have a gathering or a group together or whatever. Maybe you're having a meal in the church and the person stands up, usually the pastor. They always ask the pastor to do this. So it stands up and says, can I have everybody's attention? Can you please stop? Talk, see where I, I am? But in the difference is, is that the person is going, can I have everybody's attention and would you please be quiet because now I'm going to pray. And they would just be praying for themselves. Lord, thank you that I'm such a wonderful person and I am not as bad as other people, as we saw the Pharisees praying and things like that as well. Thank you, God, that you have made me so holy and thank you, God, that I, and everybody's listening and everybody's hearing and everybody's participating in this and uh, the words that they use and the phraseologies they use, a lot of times it would be like memorized prayers and stuff like that that just sounds so good and everybody like, oh, this guy can really, really pray and they're bringing glory to themselves. And so just like uh, in the area of giving to the needy, God wants us to pray in secret. He wants us to focus our prayer time on Him and have a private conversation with Him. Uh, I'll probably say this later again, but prayer is really to an audience of one. Whether you pray publicly or whether you, whether you pray in private, uh, it's, a, uh, it's a prayer 
to an audience of one. And, and we'll see that here. Because there are times that we pray publicly, as we've already mentioned to you. But here's the key. Here's what God wants in this. God doesn't want a huge spectacle. God desires an intimate time of conversation with you. That's what prayer is. Prayer is a time where you and God get alone and communicate. And truth, truthfully, true, genuine prayer is time when you are not rushed, when you spend time talking to God, but you also pause and listen for God. Okay? The Holy Spirit does speak to us in prayer, whether it be by uh, Scripture verses coming to our minds, uh, and that's a lot of times what will happen while you're praying about something or you're, you're thinking about something. Uh, have you ever had this happen while you're praying, all of a sudden a, a verse comes into your mind to kind of answer what you're praying about, or you have this thought of, of something uh, there. That's how God communicates. Nine, I'd say 90% of the time it's usually a scripture or a reference or something that you've heard said in a spiritual setting that the Holy Spirit brings back to your mind, and He's the one that has prompted that. Sometimes, though, there are times where, the, where God speaks to us in our prayer time, and it's just uh, something that we know God had to have said or had to have given to us because I ain't smart enough. <laughs> right? Uh, so, and so we'll look more into this uh, praying in secret for a moment. But number two in your notes, Jesus now moves from not only should we not make a spectacle of ourselves in praying in public, but he says, he teaches us now what to say. He deals with the words, the specific words that we use in our prayer time, especially dealing with public. So he's still kind of dealing with this public. He says, and when you pray, do not heap up empty, empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So, let me give you this basic definition that you need to understand. Prayer, at its basic form, is just simple communication with God. That's what it is. It is spending time talking to God. It is, now, He knows our lives, he knows, why would we bother God with that? I always go back to the parent and the child. Uh, and I really believe this is a uh, big, beautiful picture of how God is with us. I don't care what your kid does, and I don't care what you see your kid do. Let's say you go to a program and your kid's up there singing or they do something uh, in, a, in a play or something like that. You love, and every parent does this, you love to hear what your kid experienced in their own words right? You just watched it. You just saw it. You saw what happened, but you want your child to explain to you from their perspective what they went through to hear it from them. It's exactly what God wants from us in our communication. It's just a time of intimate conversation, talking with Him. And guess what? Fancy words are not required. Fancy words are not required to talk to God. Um, have you ever listened to someone use fancy words to talk to God? Okay. Can I really step on toes here? Because I really wanted to say this all day long because it happened a lot in the church I grew up in. Have you ever listened to someone preach in King James language? With all the these and the thous and the, the all haveths and the haveth nots and all of that kind of stuff. It was big when I grew up, yeah, because Jesus only spoke King James. So we, we know that, right? No, Jesus spoke Aramaic or Greek, so just so you know. But anyways, if you do that, don't, don't be upset with me. I'm not, not picking on you. But a lot of people were trained that way. Listen, 
Talking to God should be no different than talking to a friend. That's our communication. Or talking to a, a close relative, one that you can bear your soul to, your heart to, one that you can tell anything and everything and is not going to get mad at you because they know already, right? Or is going to be rejoicing for you before you even tell him because he knows already, right? It's supposed to be a great intimate time uh, with God. And this applies to public prayer as well as to private prayer. There is absolutely nothing wrong with praying in public. We do it every single week. We have people on our platform that, that pray during the service. I pray during the service. I pray before every meal, which just a little side note, the pastor doesn't have to pray to make sure the food is good, right? Okay. Anybody can pray over the food. If you, Anybody, all right, could be a man, could be a woman. Anybody can pray over the food. It doesn't just have to be me because nine times out of ten, I'm off somewhere else and someone's trying to track me down and something, for, and you guys got to wait an extra ten minutes for the meal. You realize that? You guys are waiting ten extra minutes before you get to the food so someone can hunt me down when someone can walk out of the kitchen and go, hey, let's pray, you know, and it can be as simple as thank you, God, for the food. Amen. That's, that's all it has to be, you know? I think God has a sense of humor. We have sense of humor, right? Shouldn't God have a sense of Rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. We can just go on, right? I mean, come on. So, hey, wh whatever it is there. So I'm just letting you know. Next time you, we have a, 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 a fellowship together and you're hungry, just step up and pray. Don't wait. Just go for it. Don't try to wait for me because my prayer is not going to do any more than your prayer is going to do. As a matter of fact, God would be like, would somebody else please pray for the food down there? Just, just once. That would be great, you know. So, anyways. As I already said, in our public prayers and our private prayers, prayer is an audience of one. And Jesus says something very interesting here, and I love that he says this. Do not heap up empty phrases. Do not fill up your prayers with a lot of flowery words to sound better. Don't fill up your prayers with a lot of reputation, all right? Have you ever heard, and I've been there, and, and, and maybe in my younger years I thought, but oh gracious, omnipotent, heavenly Father, you are the most all-powerful, all-knowing, great, omnipotent, powerful, wonderful God. We thank you that we can come into your presence, right? He's God. He knows who he is. God, thank you for coming into your presence. Heavenly Father, right? He, he, he doesn't need all of that. Now, sometimes we see some of those things in the Scripture, those types of prayers where they, they kind of seem to build up God in that. And I think that's more of a teaching for us than it is necessarily for how we're supposed to pray, uh, for us to recognize who God is. And don't worry about all the flowery terms, and that comes back to the these and the thous or whatever. Um, you know, I, I, said, <laughs> I, I won't do it now because I won't remember everything that I said, but I went through every great big 25-cent word that uh, I learned in college, omnipresent, omniscient, om, uh, uh, omnipowerful, uh, um, redemption, sanctification, uh, justification. And, and, you know, you see, you've heard people that have gone through and prayed, all, thank you for your great justification that saved us, and thank you for your uh, or justification that saved us, your sanctification that helps us walk, and your redemption on the cross for, uh, for our sins, and all of this kind of, you know, these big, huge words. God says, listen, when the sermon's over, and someone, they used to do that at my church, call on someone to pray, and there's always one guy 
we knew we're not getting out of here, right? I think by that time the sermon's over, Jesus, or God himself is hungry and wants to go to lunch. Keep it short, right? Go, go on. I'm having fun, you understand that, but uh, I think you understand the point I'm making. Prayer should be simple and to the point, but it should also be converse, conversation, conversationary. That's not even a word, I just put it in there, that's why I can't say it. Conversationary. All of my English people are like, this is crazy, that's not a word. Why? Because God knows that you have need of what you have need of before you ask Him. Okay? God knows, but He wants to hear it from your perspective. God knows, but He wants to hear from you. And here's the big question. If God knows, why pray at all? And that's the biggest thing right there is I think because of the fact that God wants to hear it from our perspective, which I've already said. But the other thing is, is that uh, God wants to know that you know you need Him. You ever think about that with prayer? You ever think about the fact that if we didn't stop and pray for the things that were in our life that were important, that we would never come to God for anything? We would just keep moving on, moving on, moving on, never acknowledging Him for the good or for the, for the bad, for the good or for the tough. If we didn't, so the reality is, is that uh, prayer reminds us also that He is the one that supplies. He's the one that takes care of us. And so I believe very honestly that prayer is 90% for us, 10% for God, right? I think we get so busy in our lives and going so forward that, that if we don't stop to pray, if we don't have a thing that causes us to talk to God, we'll never talk to God. And God wants to talk to you because this is a relationship. This isn't a contract, if you will. This isn't like, hey God, when, when I need you, uh, I've already got this contract with you. You're going to step in, I already know that, so I don't have to say anything to you. It's like the, the husband and wife that get married and uh, at the wedding day, the husband says to the wife, I love you. And then he says to her, and if anything ever changes, I'll let you know. And never tells her I love her again in their entire marriage, right? Well, nothing's changed. Why do I have to say it? Nothing's changed. Why do I have to? She knows I love her. Why would I tell her I love her? Well, God knows everything. Why would I tell him what he already knows? Uh, wives, you want your husbands to tell you, you lo they love you, right? Of course. Husbands, you want your wives to tell you that they love you, or, or, they, or more than that, they just want you to put it in your cooking, so that that's where the love goes for the men, you know, cook with love. Okay, so when we pray, don't pray that, uh, so that others will praise you, is what he's saying. In other words, don't worry about the words you use to pray, whether in public or in private. That's the reason why so many people are so afraid to pray in public in churches. I just can't say anything because I, I don't want to say anything wrong. Well, if you can just talk to God uh, uh, the way you would talk to anybody else, uh, then you wouldn't worry about what other people think, right? And that's exactly what we're supposed to do. So number three, he says, well, let's bring it now down to our personal time in prayer or to pray in secret. So number three, prayer in secret. Prayer in secret. So Jesus now turns to how we are to pray. Now I want to stress to you that what we're going to see here in the next several verses as he takes us through is simply an outline. This is an outline that he gives to give us something to help us learn how to pray. This is not 
a prayer that's to be memorized. It's not a prayer that is just supposed to be recited blindly or just continually said. However, with all of that said, there's nothing wrong with praying this prayer. This is an outline prayer that God has given us. We all, I, I think we all know it. We've, we've all heard it many, many times. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's Luke's version. Matt, Matthew doesn't get into it uh, that deep. But we've said that. We've recited that. We've, we've heard it. We've uh, been taught it. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. The only problem is, is that it, it becomes so repetitious that as I just did right now, we can say it without there being any meaning to it or anything backing it up. It's just mindless repetition. And that's not what, what Jesus wanted when he taught on prayer. He wanted, us, he wanted this to be the outline and we fill in uh, the spots. And listen, this is just a sample of what Jesus gave to pray. This is, he's not saying this is exactly how you need to pray. Your prayer doesn't have to be structured this way. It doesn't have to be through this outline. I mean, you'll do yourself well to walk through the outline and fill in things that you want to help you in your prayer if that helps you. But prayer doesn't have to be in this format. It doesn't have to be in this outline. There's not anything special about it. Uh, being this way, prayer is simply talking to God. Prayer can be as simple as, Lord, help. That can, that can be it. Or it can be an hour of talking to God about your day and the things that are going on, the things that you're dealing with and listening and, and all of that. It can, it can do either or there, okay? Now, I don't, I've never been tested for ADD, but I can't make it an hour. So I just want you to know that. So, so you, can, you, know, you can rest assured that your pastor can't pray for uh, an hour at a time. So you can do better than me. So keep, keep it up. All right. Uh, I, I did. I've had preachers say, well, if you can't pray for an hour, then you don't know how to pray. No, that's not what the scriptures teach at all. Okay. As a matter of fact, you know what the teachers really pray? When, when Paul, Paul says pray without ceasing, that's what they really teach, pray without ceasing, it means you never leave the conversation with God. The idea is, is that you talk to him, you move on, you talk to him, you move on. You're just continuing the conversation as you continually go. You can pick it up wherever you, you have been. You are, such, you are so close to God, you are friends with God that you can end a conversation one day and you can pick it right up again the next day. You do this with your best friends all the time, don't you? You talk to them, maybe you talk to them on the phone, they tell you what's going on in their life uh, at that point, and you come back a few days later and you talk to them on the phone again, and you go, oh, hey, by the way, what happened with, with this over here? And what are you doing? You're continuing the conversation, aren't you? You just continue going. Oh, that, that was this, 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 and then, oh, let me tell you, it brought up this and this. Oh, and, and it keeps going, doesn't it? It just keeps going. It should be that way with your, your spouse and, and others and your family. And that's what God is talking about when he's talking about a relationship with him. It's not to be so formal. It's organic, all right? It, it's supposed to be just basic conversation with him. Can I make a statement here? I'm going to make a statement. Well, I, I guess I got the floor. I guess I can make a statement, can I? But I'm going to make a statement here that I'm just going to leave it hanging for you to just grapple with, Okay? I've been grappling with this today. Is it that we look, now I'm not negating God's holiness, don't misunderstand me. Is it that we look so much at God's holiness that we miss the personableness of who God is? We look at God as, and, and God is so holy, so just, so righteous, that he's not really that approachable, right? That, that he's, he, he's not going to get in the dirt and play with us. 
type thing. But yet I don't think that's the picture that God wants us to see of him. I think God wants us to picture that just like a perfect father would spend time playing with his children, so would our heavenly father. And some of you are looking at me, I love this because I feel the same way. You go, wow, I can't think, I, I can't think that I can think that way about God. But I'm like, why can't we think that way about God? Okay, that's just bonus. You don't have to pay for that. All right, let's go on. If I'm a little scattered tonight, I think I am. So let's, let's get into this. Jesus' whole purpose for us, for prayer, is simply to teach us how to pray. That's the purpose of this outline. So the first thing is he does, the first two statements he makes, focuses on God. So he comes into this situation and says, I wanna, uh, uh, we need to focus on who God is, Matthew 6, 9. So he says, pray like this, pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And this is going to kind of play into what I just said to you. God wants us to recognize that he's our Father. Okay? We're, the word Father uh, can be translated, one of the Greek words for Father is Abba, which is Daddy. Daddy, that's what it literally means. All right? And so there's a side of God that, is, that he's our Father, it's important to God and for us to recognize the intimacy that God desires for us. I think when we come into prayer, we're coming before the judge asking for, for him to grant what needs to be done in our lives instead of coming to our Father and saying, hey, this is where I am in my life, can you, can you help me? And, he, and God responds with a compassionate heart instead of a, a gavel, right? In other words, it's important to God and for us to recognize the intimacy that He desires. As His children, we are to see Him as our loving and doting Father. And with that, with that comes honor and respect, of course. But we are never to look at God as the mean, angry, vengeful God for us as His children. His vengeance and His wrath is restored for the ungodly. For the sinners, those of us who are saved, the wrath of God has already been appeased by Jesus Christ on the cross. Now that doesn't mean he doesn't chastise us as his children, just like a loving parent would chastise their child. But how do you chastise your child? You punish your child with the intent of correcting them so they don't hurt themselves. So that you put them on the right path, so that when they're going the wrong way, you correct them. That's what the word chastise means. It doesn't mean that God's up there looking at ways of how he can stomp us and tear us down and to beat us down. As a loving father, he corrects us in our sin. He puts us back on track again when we come to him uh, and ask forgiveness of sin. And we'll see that in a few minutes. And he puts us on the right path. We need to look at God as a just, righteous, and perfectly loving Father who will love and will correct us perfectly. Unfortunately, unfortunately, the only guide that we have is our earthly fathers who do not correct perfectly. Our parents don't correct perfectly. We correct sometimes angrily. We correct sometimes out of frustration. We correct sometimes uh, in the wrong manner. But God 
always gives the exact proper correction with the exact proper force perfectly every single time. That's going to be the best correction for us to get back on track. You see, his goal is not to beat us down, but to lift us up and put us back on track. And we'll see that as we look at uh, at. There. So I think the first thing that God wants us to see here is when we come to him in prayer is that we are coming to our perfect heavenly father. Now as our perfectly heavenly father, as he's going to relate to us, react to us perfectly uh, because of who he is, that should draw us to worship him. Hallowed, the word hallowed means holy. The word hallowed means to worship. And so the word holy there means perfect. And the reality is exactly what I just said. God will always act perfectly right. As a matter of fact, God cannot act any other way. It's His character. He will respond perfectly to His children with the perfect amount of love, with the exact perfect justice, and the exact perfect correction. Every single time. And it's going to always be for our good uh, there. So it's really only when we walk away from God and really get out from underneath Him as, as our Heavenly Father, as we, as we abandon Him, that the consequences of life become harder I don't think God has to, when we're following Him, when we're, when we're walking in His Word, when we're obeying Him the way that we're supposed to, when our relationship is right with God, I don't think God has to exact force in our life in order to keep us on the right path. I think it's just little corrections here, little corrections there. But when we walk away from God, when we abandon God, that's when life really gets hard because we're not bearing the wrath of God on us, we're bearing the consequences of our sin. The picture of the prodigal son. Remember that, that parable that Jesus talked about there? What, what, was, what was it? The Heavenly Father was waiting and wanting to restore and forgive and to love and, and, and to put, you know, bring the son back into the fold. But he wasn't involved in him losing his money. He wasn't involved in the famine that take place. He wasn't involved in him going to the pig pen. All of those were consequences of the choices that the prodigal son made. Do you see? So I think sometimes we look at things and say, well, God's judging that or judging this. And God's like, don't blame me. It's the choices they made. It's the choices in their life that put them in that place. And the reason why those things are happening, because they've chosen to go against me. If they chose to stay with me, then, and I've really gotten off on a tangent here tonight. I don't know why, but I apologize. But here's what I want you to understand. God is perfect. Do you get that? If I can try to explain anything, God is perfect perfect and this has been on my mind all day long thinking about the perfectness of God because it's like it means that everything he does is perfect and I don't understand that because I can't do it (laughs) and I've never experienced it and uh, this is so out there but then as a result of God being absolutely perfect he is so worthy of our worship of our honor of our respect there um if we can have respect for our father and mother or our relatives or friends that aren't perfect, how much more honor and respect and love for God can we have because he is perfect uh, for us there. And so we focus on God, that he's our heavenly father. And then th- this pulls right into uh, him leading in our lives and how if we stay on track, uh, how God works. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, he goes on and says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so 
Basically, what this is talking about, I'm going to sum this up for the sake of time. What this is talking about is we are praying for God to be king of my life. Okay? Your kingdom come. A kingdom has a king. And as a kingdom has a king, God, I want your rule and reign in my life. And I want you to, I want your will to be done in my life because your will is the best. And that will then bring your kingdom and your will to the earth. Okay, so it's the idea of God, this is what I want for you, what I'm praying for, this is what Jesus is telling us to pray for. God, have control of my life that I, that in your power I will, I'll put all my uh, trust in you. I will walk in your will so that my life will be a beacon of light to draw the lost to Jesus Christ. Okay, so this is talking about my life making this effect. This is how we bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. The reality that we can have salvation through Jesus Christ. That's the kingdom. When Jesus taught the kingdom of God has come, Jesus was that kingdom. He had come. He had come to die uh, for salvation and for us to be saved. So the reality in the, uh, that um, he's talking about here is for us to surrender to God as our king. Okay? But we're still his child, right? God is our king. So even, even as a child of a king, there's a standard that's there that we want to live by. Right, representing our king. And that's how I'm going to follow his will. When I follow what the scriptures say in my life and obey that and follow that, that's going to be the best thing for me. And when I do that, my life is going to reflect my king, my father, and it's going to show the world that I'm different than what they are and draw them to Christ, you see. And that's what he's talking about there um, uh, for that. Now, you will see this special note that is uh, in... Uh, your notes here and this special note I want you to understand and I'm just going to briefly touch on this this verse of scripture unfortunately has become a great point of contention or false teaching so whenever you take a single verse out of scripture and create a teaching around it you always create a false doctrine always that's exactly what has happened here. Uh, they have taken this verse out of context, and the teaching that, that is here, and I, I'm just going to tell you point blank, the pastor that has pioneered this or at least made it uh, prevalent uh, uh, as it is today is a pastor from Redding, California by the name of Bill Johnson. Bill Johnson has coined this uh, teaching. It is a part of the New Apostolic Reformation. It is a part of the very... Uh, charismatic charismatic churches i mean it's charismatic on top of charismatic there it's a part of the prosperity gospel that is there but it's the idea that the church is going to bring usher in the brand new kingdom on earth here we're going to conquer the world the world is going to be good and eventually jesus can come back it's a post-millennial uh, doctrinal teaching um, and they we as believers are to conquer the earth uh, because god's kingdom is going to come i'll give you some more details in it the point that they point out here is the health and wealth of the prosperity gospel basically their doctrinal teaching is there is no sickness in heaven okay so we're going to bring heaven to earth there's no sickness in heaven then the believer should never be sick if the believer does get sick then by their faith they should be healed instantly and immediately uh, and have no problems there's no poverty in heaven so there should be no poverty uh, for the believer you should be rich beyond measure uh, there should be, there's no uh, 
sin in heaven, so there should be no sin in the believer. You can be sinless uh, and perfect and, and all of this here. Um, and so it's really the prosperity gospel on steroids, uh, and it is a false doctrine. This doctrine is permeating the church like wildfire. It is, it is taking over uh, like crazy. And I, I bring this up, and I want to be careful how I say this, and our time is, is short, uh, but the church I was in before I came here, this took a foothold in our church and split our church. And there have been other churches that have divided over this and the destruction of it. It is uh, absolutely a, a heretical teaching, um, and it is something that we need to make sure that we avoid. The whole idea of Jesus' kingdom coming um, and his will being done is exactly as I uh, gave you the information there, and that's exactly what it has been for hundreds of years, and that's what it's going to be until Jesus actually comes and we move into his heavenly kingdom there, okay? Uh, I went through that fast. Is there any questions on that? Okay. All right. Let's see where we are here. Uh, chapter, uh, so then now we move in from to God. We at, we. We, he's our Father, we worship Him, he, uh, we want His kingdom to be, He's King of our lives, we want to walk in His will so that the world sees Jesus. And then we bring our prayer down. Jesus now shifts gears uh, where the first two verses focus on God and our relationship with Him, the next three deal with our relationship to ourselves and others. So did I give you letter A? It's uh, focus on God, letter A there. Did you get that? Okay, now I'm on B, which is focus on self and others. So A is focus on God, B is focus on self and others. And so Jesus comes now to verse number 11 and says, Then pray, give us this day our daily bread. So Jesus draws our attention to his provision in our lives. Uh, he is the one that gives us the power to make wealth. And he says, I am here to make sure that the, your needs are provided for as well. Now, Jesus is referencing the culture of that day. If you know anything about the culture of first century uh, Jerusalem and stuff, uh, the, the Israelites primarily were day workers. Okay, so if you understand that term of a day worker, they didn't have regularly employed jobs. The rich were the ones who had the fields and the lands and all of that and needed uh, their agricultural and they needed people to come out and work the fields or work the animals or work in certain areas. And so basically what they would do every morning is they would gather in an area. It's kind of like what we see today. Uh, they would gather in an area and a, and a person, from, a representative from the boss would come out and say, okay, I pick you, 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 and you. Come on, you're working for us today. You'll get a day's wage for working, and, you know, and then keep doing that. And so basically they would work for one day. They would get paid for one day, and that one day's wage would take care of their food needs for one day. Uh, and primarily the food was the primary thing that, that they needed. Uh, they had shelter, uh, they, the clothing they had. Most people only had one garment. You realize that? All right. Usually we have walking clothes now uh, that, that are the norm. In that day and age, you had one garment and you did everything you could to try to make sure that garment lasted because you weren't going out to Target to get another one. All right. It's just how it was. All right. Uh, and so they, they would work for their one day, and, and so basically this is asking God to make sure that provision is there for them each day. God, we trust you in that. And Deuteronomy 8, 18 tells us, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power 
to get wealth. God wants us to remember that it is He that provides. Now, thank goodness we, have, we work, we have a work ethic, stuff like that, but God is the one that works in our lives to uh, give us work, to bring work into our lives, to allow us an opportunity to work, to give us the health to work. The very fact that you woke up this morning was a blessing from God. I mean, the very breath in your lungs comes from God. All of that is because of God. And so God wants us to re- remember that uh, God is the sustainer of who we are. God is the one that blesses us uh, to allow us to do it. If God decided for whatever reason to say, you can't today, you wouldn't. You understand? Okay. Which really, to be honest, is so very important because we have a tendency to say, look what I've done. Look at how good I am. Look at what I did in this or what I did in that or look at how good I am at my job. And, and you should be. You should be a good employee. You should represent Christ in all that you do and, and, and do the best that you can in, in all of your work. That's a whole different message for a different time. But the reality is, is that you can only do what you do because God allows you to do it. The strength that we have, the power that we have uh, to do that. And then he moves into verse number 12, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. This one gets really difficult uh, here. Jesus begins here talking about our relationship between God and us, and as his children, we will never be out of relationship with God. Let me make this point here. Jesus says here, we need to seek forgiveness, which means we're going to sin. We do sin. But when we are God's child, when we have been saved, that sin never moves us out from being his child. Okay? Do you understand that? Uh, Paul said in Romans chapter 8, there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Meaning this, sin no longer after you're saved has the power to condemn you to hell. Okay? You cannot be God's child one day and then not God's child the next day. It doesn't, it doesn't work with God and it doesn't work with, work with biology either, does it? Okay? If you have a a child, then no matter what that child does, biologically, they will always be your child. You may even claim they're not your child. I don't want to be my child anymore. Too bad. They're your child. It doesn't matter. You cannot change that fact. They come from your genetic makeup uh, there. When we are saved, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, if you will, let me use the picture, our DNA changes into part of the family of God's DNA. Not talking about divinity, I'm talking about the fact that, that we are his child and nothing ever changes for that. However, sin does mess up our relationship between others. Now, your son or daughter may do something you don't like and you may not want to claim them as your son or daughter because of what they have done, but yet they're still your son and daughter, but you don't ever have to talk to them again, right? Your relationship can be totally severed. Uh, you, you, can, you can be angry for the rest uh, of your days or, or, not, or, or things won't get back together until you make them right. This is what he's talking, this is what Jesus is talking about here. That when we sin against God, there's a barrier between our relationship between us and God because sin is that barrier. And what we need to do is seek forgiveness uh, immediately for that sin which means this what he wants us to understand is that when we seek forgiveness of our sin God immediately when we repent of our sin he's faithful and just to forgive us right Uh, John tells us in his epistle when we seek forgiveness from God God immediately forgives and restores so basically what he says here is that uh, I forgive you and it's as if there's never been a problem before us so how's your day 
right? It's, it's like, God, I did this horrible sin. I asked for forgiveness. I really repent of it. I, I look at it the way you do. Please forgive me of my sin. Okay, so what's going on in your life now, right? We sit there and go, oh, I know it's so bad. God, we, we worry about it. We fret about it. And he goes, what are you, what are you talking about? Because he casts our sin as far as east as the west, right? He chooses to forget our sin. Isn't that great? God doesn't have amnesia. He chooses not to remember our sin no more when we ask forgiveness. Isn't that awesome, right? And so you say, God, forgive me. Okay, you're forgiven. So what's going on? But God, I'm so bad. I, was like, I don't want to talk about that anymore. I chose not to remember that. Let's go on. And it restores you there. Now, watch this. Because God gives an, uh, a caveat, if you will, to this. Because this is so important. Relationships are so important to God. He says, this is what we need to be, to be forgiven. So we pray, forgive us our debts. How, do we, how, God, do we want you to forgive our debts? As we forgive our debtors. As we forgive those who have sinned against us. As we forgive those who have done something wrong. This is amazing to me how God does this, but God basically comes down to our level in this area and says, in salvation, you can't lose your salvation. You can never stop being my, my child. But in relationship, guess what? I'll forgive you as you forgive others. Right? Puts it on our shoulders. You want to be forgiven? Well, what about that over there? You haven't forgiven that over there yet, so guess what? I mean, there's a way for us to come to God and say, God, forgive me of my sins. And he, and, and he doesn't necessarily say no. He says, wait. I'll take care of that. I'll forgive you. No problem. But you know what? You've got to take care of that over there first. And this is the only passage of Scripture, the only verse in this prayer that God actually puts an addendum on it. Look what he says in verses 14 and 15. This goes right with it. He says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Now again, this isn't salvation. This is our relationship. So God says, I'm not going to let you hold a grudge. If you hold a grudge, I'm going to hold a grudge. If you're not going to be willing to forgive, then I'm not going to be willing for, to forgive. Now, I forgave you for salvation purposes, but our relationship isn't going to... Don't call me up and want to chat when you've got something going on over there that you didn't take care of, right? Get that taken care of and get the relationship with us taken care of, you see. God's always willing. He's always ready, but as a good parent, he's teaching us a lesson, Right? If God is able and willing and able to forgive all of our sins through the death of his son, how much more should we be willing to forgive others that have sinned against us? And so he says here, basically, come to me with your sins. I will forgive you. But listen, if you don't want to take care of it in your life, then hey, maybe we'll just kind of postpone this for a while and see what happens there. And the relationship is severed. The have you, have you ever been in your life where you're like, man, I just don't feel like God's around? Maybe you need to check your relationships, right? Maybe you need to check where, where you are in that because the relationship severed between you and the Father, well, you know, God, I want to be right with you. I want to have a close relationship with you. I want to follow you. I want to do your will. I want to have all of this stuff. I'm not going to forgive that man. Well, guess what? You can do it all, but you're going to do it all in your own power because you broke fellowship with me, right? Get that right, and we'll be solid, all right? So that's what he tells us there in that. And then Jesus finally moves on 
to our navigation through this life. And he says in verse 13, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. One of the things I want to ask Jesus when, when I get to heaven is, why did you word it this way? <laughs> because, and I think this is because we as human beings believe that God can lead us into bad things. I'm, I'm here, you never felt this way, I'm in this predicament because God, you did this or whatever. But the Bible tells us plainly that God cannot lead us into sin. He cannot lead us into to temptation for sin. He can't lead us to do anything wrong. So the idea here really is the flip of this and asking God to give you strength not to give in to temptation. God, you can't lead me there, but boy, I don't need you to lead me there. I go there by myself <laughs> without any problem, right? I have no problem finding the way. I've, I've actually, I can draw you a map get you right there. And the reality is, is that temptation is not sin. We need to recognize that temptation is not sin, but it is the doorway to sin. And the Bible tells us very plainly that when uh, we are in temptation, uh, there's always a way of escape. And that way of escape is always the scriptures, always following what the scriptures have for us. I put in there James 1.13, I won't read it, but it tells us that, that God doesn't tempt us. Never say that God tempts us to sin. The idea here is not that God, that God will or is capable. The idea here is not that God will or is, or is capable of leading us to temptation. Rather, it is to remind us that God does not lead us into temptation. We do that all on our own. So there's always a way of escape. God can deliver us. So let's put this all into one statement here. Bring this down uh, there because I've kind of been all over the map <laughs> tonight. When we pray, and as believers we must pray, don't pray as the hypocrites who do so loudly with many repetitions and flowery words so that others are impressed, but rather in secret and pray so that God is honored and you are strengthened. That's what our prayer time is. That's what prayer is to God there. And that's why prayer is important. All right? We're going to break up into our groups. Thank you for your patience uh, tonight, and uh, we'll have some time of fellowship and conversation. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for tonight. Lord, despite my computer problems and maybe getting off on some rabbit trails tonight, Lord, I pray that uh, uh, it was still positive and that your true message on prayer was uh, given. Bless our time of discussion tonight, Lord. Help us to go deeper into this, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.